Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're connecting with Lewis Carr. Lewis is a media mogul, motivational speaker, philanthropist, and author. With over 30 years experience in the media and advertising industries, Lewis has become one of the most influential voices and now looks to give back, helping others build vision, overcome adversity, and achieve success. You don't want to miss this intriguing conversation on creating and leading a diverse environment. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Avail Leadership Podcast. Excited to once again uh, get up close and personal with amazing leaders. My name is Virgil Sierra. I'm the Avail Leadership Media Host. And as always, it's an honor and a privilege for me to connect with all the leaders out there that love to connect with us. Uh, It's also an honor and a privilege for me to get to talk to a special leader today. And I'm talking about Lewis Carr, media mogul, motivational speaker, philanthropist and author. Uh, He has worked hard uh, as the president of media sales at BET for over 30 years, a position that has contributed to Lewis becoming one of the most influential voices in the media and advertising industries. And we have the honor of having some time with him today on the Avail Leadership Podcast. Lewis, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fine, Virgil. Thank you for having me. Uh, It it is a privilege and a pleasure to be here today. Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I really uh, enjoyed our talk as we prepared uh, to get this podcast recording going. And and here's what I want to do, Lewis. I want to challenge you today to reach. Every, I know that you're a man of excellence and I want to reach out to the, to the farthest leader that's out there that's going to hear this. And I want them to just feel so challenged and encouraged by you today. And I want to start off today, Lewis, by hearing a little bit about your story. I know your story goes back further, but why don't we start with your professional career? Because I think that's going to, that's going to lead us into the conversation of what you have on your heart to share with us today. Well, uh, first of all, Virgil, it, it, it took me a while to kind of figure out, you know, what I wanted to do, uh, what I was smart enough to do, uh, and you know what was sort of my passion. Uh, so when uh, I left college, uh, I started in the insurance industry, and uh, I sort of spent probably about seven or eight years there. Uh, then I uh, went into the media industry, and I started that career. Uh, at John H. Johnson's Johnson Publishing Company. Mm. And I worked for Ebony Magazine uh, while I was there and uh, was there for a couple of years and uh, got fired. Uh, (laughs) Then uh, I I left there and I worked in radio for a few months and then I ended up at Black Enterprise Magazine. And I worked there a couple of years. And then uh, my best friend uh, told me about an opportunity uh, at this little bitty startup called BET. Wow. And uh, at that particular time, I I wasn't interested. He asked me to go on the interview anyway. So I did. Uh, I was offered the job. I turned it down. Uh, He, John, and the interview was with Bob Johnson. And... um, uh, he said, I'll call you back and maybe you got somebody to recommend to me. So we talked probably about three months later. Uh, he offered me the job again. Uh, <laughs> I, I turned it down. 
then uh, we probably talked about two months after that. And he offered me the job again and I turned it down. Wow. Uh, and then one night he called me uh, around midnight and he said, uh, this is going to be uh, probably our last conversation about this job. Uh, I want you to make the best decision for you and your family. Don't worry about me because I'm going to be a success with or without you. Mm-hmm. But you think about what's the best opportunity for you and your family. And no one had ever asked me to think about what was the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. I was just usually told at that point in my career, what's the best thing for them? So thought about it, discussed it with my wife and everything else is history from there. Wow. Wow. It's, I, I don't even know what it would be like to be on the other side of that conversation when it's been three, four, five no's and all of a sudden, you know, let's do it. But, but something told you to move. What, what made you move? What, what made you say, let's do it? I had a feeling that he cared about me, mm. not just about the business, but he cared about me and what was best for me. Wow. Uh, and that sort of was a special feeling at that moment in time. Like, wow, somebody cares more than just about the job. That's powerful. I think we could probably do a whole podcast just on that. I know that's not what we're here for today, but I really appreciate you sharing this story because, um, man, I think I think as leaders, we need to realize how much it matters that we care about people, both people well, that, you know, that aren't on the team yet and people that are on the team. Right. Uh, I think in today's world, uh, great leaders have to care about the whole person. Yeah. Not just the work person. Mm, uh, I think when you look at the time we're in right now, uh, in uh, two pandemics, one mm. called COVID-19, the other one called racism and social injustice in this country, mm. you have to understand what people are bringing to work and whether they're working in an office or whether they're working on Zoom. Uh, and you have to care about their emotions, what they're going through, yeah. Uh, and really sort of show that, you know, that there, there are many times that, that I'm on a Zoom right now and you can see people moving like this. And I'll say, let that dog get on here. Go ahead on. Let the dog. <laughs> let's, let's see the dog. <laughs> Clearly, the dog has decided they want to be a part of the conversation. <laughs> or you see somebody doing this. I said, let the kids come on in and be a part <laughs> of the conversation. Maybe we can learn something from them. Mm-hmm. And that in today's world, you have to consider and know how important that is that you give people this sort of boundary expansion and say, bring your family to work because mm. your work is at home, all right? So you have to be sensitive to that. You have to understand that. You know there's going to be some interruptions and it's got to be okay. So you have to be considerate of the whole person, not just the work person. 
I love that. I think that's great. And, 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 you know, as you were telling a little bit your story, you know, kind of not knowing exactly what you wanted to do, then kind of having multiple opportunities and different kind of different venues, different directions. And then all of a sudden this opportunity uh, with this little startup BET, right. Comes up and then you say, yes. Okay. So in you, you bought into the leader's belief in you and -hmm. you understood that he, he was looking for the best interest for you too. And so let's talk a little bit now about just the the, the environment, because I know that this is important for you. I know uh, in conversations that we've had that creating and leading a diverse environment is important to you. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. What, you know, what is that? How do you define diver- diversity? Because I think people define it different ways. And how did that come into play in your work environment? Well, first of all, I always hated this term of fitting in. You, you, you got to fit in. It, it, it just never really sort of sat with me right, you know, because, you know, you create this environment, you create a team environment, but what does fitting in mean? Hmm. Does that mean that the environment is flexible enough for you to fit in? Or is this environment, this square or this round hole that you've got to fit in? Hmm. So uh, when I started managing, I always wanted to create an environment that was flexible, that their boundaries sort of give and they took, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of like a skyscraper. You know, when it gets so tall, they have to build them Virgil, that they kind of sway Uh back and forth uh, to give with the weather and wind. So I wanted to create an environment that's sort of been able to take people as they are. So, and for me, that could be male, female, black, white, brown, green, yellow, uh, quiet, loud, however you go. I, I wanted all of that as part of the environment because, you know, I was a former collegiate athlete uh, and uh, I know how important different views are. Mm-hmm. I know how important different lifestyles are. I know how important different sort of history and upbringings are to a particular environment. You know, I don't think you can grow or your business can grow until your environment and your boundaries are challenged. Mm-hmm. You know, we grow from challenges, right? We don't like them. We don't like them. Right. But that's what we grow from. So yeah. in order to be a good leader, You've got to bring people in who sometimes are going to challenge your thinking, (laughs) who's going to challenge your process, Mm -hmm. because if it's as good as you think it is, you'll be able to defend it. And I mean, defend it with not just I'm the boss and do what I say do, but give very good logic and understanding to why things are the way they are and why you've made certain decisions. So you shouldn't be afraid of being challenged. You should embrace being challenged. And you shouldn't always want to manage the same type of people because how do your management skills grow? How does your business grow if you have the same fit-in type of philosophy? Mm. You want to bring different people. It's like a sports team. You don't want all guards if you're a basketball team. You don't want all centers. You don't want all forwards. You want a team that somebody's bringing that particular position's expertise. So that's the way I sort of look at it. And so when I started 
my career in managing and really being in charge of things, I wanted to bring different thoughts, number one. And you bring different thoughts because you bring different people with different experiences to the mm-hmm. table. So yeah. that was an intentional. So when I hear conversations today about, you know, how difficult diversity and inclusion is, you're telling me that, you know, you can't manage the business because that's part of the business. In Mm. order for that business to flourish for long periods of time, over and over again, you've got to bring different viewpoints, different processes, different people. It just has to happen. It's part of the ingredients for success. Now, I know there's some people out there who would debate me on that. (laughs) But I think I'd win that debate. (laughs) I love it. I think this issue of diversity is is really, really important. Um, And I think I think people can go can go right and people can go wrong on this, um, which I think is is your your point is that if we don't have that diversity in our on our team, you know, whether it's a business, whether whether we're talking ministry, whether we're talking just organizational, if we don't have that diversity, it's going to limit us in how far we can reach. It's going to limit us in, in, you know, the potential and the horizons we can get to. Okay. So, um, I know that your book, Dirty Little Secrets, you talk about a lot of, of, of these things. And my, here's my next question. It's one thing to, to define diversity. And you might want to, if you want to add anything about that, you can do so. But, but then how do you lead a diverse environment? Because one thing to, to kind of know what it is and define it. But then how do, I, how do I, as a leader, lead a diverse environment? Well, n- number one, it, it is all intentional. Uh, Mm. whatever it is. So, you know, I can define it. But then I think the next step before we get to leading, Virgil, is how do you create it? Okay. Because we've all heard the advantage. Oh, uh, I I would like more um, uh, Hispanics or I would like more Black people. I would like more Asians. But I can't find them. And and it's always (laughs) kind of like, they're not hiding in a cave, you know. <laughs> this is not an exposition to, to find people. They're out there, right? Are you looking in the right places? Have you created an environment that will attract them? Because sometimes you don't have to always find them. They'll find you right. if you created an environment that they believe they can be successful in. So I think, number one, you, you create it with intentionality. Okay. You don't have to just talk about it. You do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've had situations in my career where people said, oh, we can't find a woman for this position. Keep looking. Oh, yeah. we've looked everywhere. Mm, it's a lot of them out there. Keep looking. <laughs> but, you know, we need the ones with the exact skill set. Just keep looking. Well, but I don't think, you know, it's so special. It's not that special. Just keep looking. Yeah. That's intentionality. Yeah, yeah. Saying I'm not going to take anything less. Right. Because if I do, I'll be hurting my business. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference between me and a lot of leaders. Mm. If I have to take anything less, if I have to create a workaround, then I'm probably going to be hurting my business in some form or fashion. So we have to be very intentional. And it's just like fishing. If you're fishing in a pond that only has bass and you're looking for catfish, 
But you keep going back there hoping that a catfish is going to turn up <laughs> in that pond, you're only going to get bass. Right. And that's what's in that pond. So you've got to go to another body of water to find the catfish <laughs> or to find the salmon. Don't keep putting your pole in that same body of water thinking, well, one day a salmon or a catfish is going to, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Go to a different body of water to find that. And then sometimes you need help. You need help. People say, I've heard it all the time. We can't find any black people. You didn't ask me. I know a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just look, when I say that, I know a lot of black people. Trust me. Yeah. You never asked me. <laughs> you, know, you know what I think happens, uh, Lewis? I think what happens is we, we, we sometimes get caught up in environments where we all look the same, right? Or, or even, even, even work environments, industries. I know that's something that you've mentioned before in our conversations. You, you can be in an industry or an environment, hey, even in a church, you know, and everybody looks the same, you know, and everybody is kind of the same. And I think people use it as, as an excuse. Well, this is, this is what we got to choose from. Well, well, for me, it's, 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 it's strange when I don't see it. And I've talked about this before. When I go in a restaurant and I see a table of 12, 14, 16 guys with suits on, so I can tell it's a business sort of meeting, and there's not a woman at that table, I'm confused. Hmm. What type of business is that? That there's not a woman that... In this big group, how? What is that? What right. kind of business is that? And I've been I've distracted people who are eating with me because they're like, "Lewis, why are you staring at them?" And I'm like, "Look at that! Isn't that strange that you've got a group of guys, fourteen of them, and there's not one woman mm. in that group? You can tell it's business, right? Where are the women? Where are the women? Mm. How does that? Why, why isn't isn't that noticeable uh, to somebody?" Yeah. So it's the same thing to me when I see a group of people and there's no people of color. <laughs> it's true. Look at commercials. When you see commercials and people are on the beach playing volleyball, you know, there are a lot of those type of commercials, right? Uh -huh. Especially beer commercials, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, or beverage commercials. People on the beach, <laughs> everybody hitting the volleyball, people on the side watching them. There were no black people on the beach that day. Where's that mm. beach? <laughs> Where is that beach? Yeah. Because that's not real life. Right. Or maybe that's the life that they want. Mm. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's always strange to me when I see lack of diversity because I've trained myself to understand and value diversity. Yeah. I value diversity. Yeah. And I think when I don't see it, I'm like, something's missing here. There's some value missing here. Yeah. And to your point of how do you lead it, you work at it. You work at leading. Hmm. You, you open your mind, your process to new opportunities and, and new people. Uh, when I hire somebody and I want people to value them immediately, one of the first thing I do, I said, when we had a meeting, you sit next to me. Hmm. And people go like, well, 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 who normally sits there? Don't you worry about that. You sit next to me. And what is that? I'm showing sort of a symbol, an image that this person is new. Hmm. 
this person has value. I want you to see they have value because they're sitting right next to me. And I do things sometimes in those early meetings, Virgil, like I'm, I'm whispering, I'm talking, all during the meeting. And of course, everybody's looking like, what are they talking about? He or she just got there. What are they talking about? All right. I'm trying to set a tone and an image of the importance and the value that this person, even though they're new, even though they're diverse, mm-hmm. though they're different, there's a value proposition that is there. I, you know, I think I think sometimes, based on what you're saying, I think sometimes uh, maybe somebody who who would be considered diverse for for a, for a specific you know workplace or environment um, gets there, but then when they get there, the question is that some leaders have is why why didn't they stay or why couldn't we retain them or why you know what would you say to that? Because they left them out on the island by themselves. Okay. You know, they didn't embrace them. They, they didn't ingrain them into the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I do when, when I hire uh, new people and diverse people, uh, you know, I, I, I have an assistant that usually people have to check in with. You don't. Just come right on in. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I would never do that because I know you're busy. No, just, just come right on in. I'm, I'm good with that. Because I'm trying to get them ingrained in the process. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to get people to respect their value immediately. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give them. Remember, I talked about that flexibility, Mm -hmm. that leeway, that sway so that people understand that they're important. And I want them to embrace them like I have. I want them to be part of the team immediately, not to sort of earn your position on the team because you're on the team because you're in the environment. All right. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing them like a sorority or fraternity. We're not going to pledge them. And yeah. I think that's what happens to diverse people sometimes. The environment intentionally, maybe not the people, let's say the process and the systems, mm-hmm. they pledge people. You know, they, 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 they make them jump over all these hurdles and everything to see if they're worthy to be in there. They're worthy because they're in the environment. Right. So let's not try to make it so difficult for them to succeed in the environment. Or they do that thing, Virgil, where you become the invisible person, right? Mm -hmm. No one sees you, you know, (laughs) no one asks you any help, you need any help because you're invisible. People walk past you, they don't speak to you. You know, a lot of people of color complain about being invisible Mm. in corporate America. Like nobody sees me. Uh, You go to meetings, People are introduced. They don't introduce them because hmm. they're invisible. Hmm. We can't have that. We've got to be intentional about their value. We've got to be intentional about wanting them to be a success. And that requires us to do some special things. Yeah, and it's I okay. Think, it's okay yeah. that we have to do that. Yeah. Well, I think the best leaders do. I think that the best leaders you know, the leaders who are leading the best organizations, the, the leaders that are, that are leading, um, um, organizations, uh, businesses, um, even on in the side of ministries that are actually not only growing and flourishing, but really making a difference and really kind of reaching goals. The best leaders do this, what you're talking about. And we're talking about 
you know, a diverse environment. We're talking about how do you create it? You're talking about a little bit about how to lead, you know, how, how do you lead this? How do you lead the way for everybody on the team? Now, for those leaders out there, Lewis, who say, okay, I get it. I understand what it is and why it's important. I understand kind of how to define it and how we got to create it and lead it. Now, how do you build a diverse environment? How do you build and, 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 and how do you see the fruit and the results come when you begin to build it? I think like you do everything else in business, you, you know, when you, when you see something successful, you, you, you try to replicate it over hmm. and over again. <laughs> if you see it's working, you go like, wow. You know, the, 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 the best compliment that I've gotten is, Lewis, you really know how to pick talent. Hmm. You know, we, we, we second guess that pick, uh, but you prove to us that that's the right one. Now, sometimes, Virgil, I have to work mm. at proving it's the right one, and I have to work at developing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think our environments have, have, have gotten to this thing is, okay, you got the job, good luck with that. No, I don't care who it is. They need development. <laughs> they need leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. They need guidance. And, you know, uh, we as leaders sometimes say, well, we're too busy. But then you're probably not the right leader. Because wow. that's got to be a part of your core leadership principles mm. is teaching, guiding, sometimes challenging people and process. So that's that's all part of the things that leaders have to do. It's it's similar to like knowing when to lead yourself and knowing when to let others lead <laughs> who work for you. Knowing when to make the decision and sometimes knowing when not to make the decision and let others lead. All the things are process. These are process of being uh, great leaders. So it is work. It is work. This is not a playground. This is not fun uh, all the time. Yeah. It's work. So yeah. you just build upon it. Um, so just thinking, kind of getting into the head of many leaders what would you say to a leader who says, hey, Lewis, I, I love what you're saying. You know, I like what you say. I, un- I understand what you're saying, but it just seems, it just seems like it's not, it's not going to happen. It's not working. You know, I'm not able to get different um, voices to the table. You know, I've, 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 I've intentionally looked, you know, what is it? What could they be missing? Because I think I think some people easily give up and will just fall right into the status quo or st- fall right into, hey, this is what we got. Let's go with it. I mean, what, you know, what 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 would make a something spark for a leader who's kind of stuck in that? Well, first thing I would say is uh, that leader's not committed to it. Okay, uh, that's first thing I would say mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. those of us who who, who lead businesses. We face challenges all the time. Yeah, 2020 has been a challenge <laughs> for every business, including the church. Amen right? to that. <laughs> all right. You could have said the church door, doors have closed. Yeah. Oh, what are we going to do now? Uh-huh. Uh, I guess we'll just pray and hope <laughs> that God sort of sent something to open up the church doors. Uh-huh. But leaders came up with solutions and ideas and different ways to communicate uh, with their congregation, uh, whether it's 
you know, digital, social combination of all of that. So people figured it out through their own leadership creativity. So when I hear people say it, it, it can't, uh, I don't think I'm looking at your dude with this face like <laughs> maybe you're not the one. Wow. Because when we have business problems, when we have business problems, we do not rest until we figure it out. I don't think of any great leader have went back and told their board or their boss, you know, I've tried and I just don't think it's going to happen. Because we know what usually that means, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You're not the one to make it happen, so we'll have to sort of find someone to replace you. Whenever there's a business problem, I can't think of anybody that's going to show up and tell their boss or their board, you know, I've tried. I know this was a challenge. You told me to solve it, but I don't think I can solve it. Because people say, okay, fine. Thank you very much. We'll find someone who can. Simple as that. All right. So I want to give a little bit of pushback here because I'm interested in hearing from you on this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we both know that there's no such thing as a perfect organization. Everything is flowing perfectly. Everybody's wonderful. That's correct. There's no conflict. So have you seen diversity also challenge the process, you know, whether it's conflict, you know, amongst the, an executive team, for example, or, you know, have you seen diversity um, bring, bring challenges or, you know, or kind of heads you know, budding together. Speak to me on that. I mean, I've lived that. Uh, When I was in college, uh, my junior and senior year, I was the only black person, I think, on the team. Uh, What sport was it? What sport was it? It was track. It was track and field. Got it. And in in the state of Iowa, uh, 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 at Drake University, I mean, (laughs) I'm the only black person in the state of Iowa. So it should have been cool, all right? Uh Uh-huh. And we had conflict on the team. And to my coach's credit, when people challenged and said that, you know, I was the problem, my coach said, I don't think he's the problem. (laughs) You know, things you're saying about him cannot be true because my seven-year-old son loves him. And you can't fool a child. When I bring my son to practice, he doesn't run to any of you except him. Hmm. Him. I don't know what it is. My wife doesn't know what it is. Hmm. But it happens over and over again. So it takes strong leadership to step up and say, hey, I'm not trying to make everybody happy right now. Just like when you change systems, you've changed systems before. Mm-hmm. And initially, they're a problem, right? Yep. Because you got to learn, right? Yeah. It's something new, something different. They're a problem. You hate it. Whenever <laughs> you got to get new software, you just hate it, right? Because <laughs> yep. there is what? This learning curve. Curve. All right. When you add diversity and inclusion to an environment, there is a learning right. curve. That's good. By everybody involved, the diverse individual and the (laughs) other teammates and the leadership. Right. 
So we are used to learning curves all the time in our environment. You hate when someone comes to you and says, you know what? We know we've been having problems with that system. (laughs) So we've decided that we're going to change it. And uh, here's the timeline. Uh, We're going to go parallel for (laughs) X number of months. And then we're going to go into beta. And then we're going to go live, right? And the first thing you're doing is, oh, (laughs) this is going to be a pain. That's what happens when you have to sort of insert new processes, new people, new thinking in an environment, there's short-term pain for long-term gain. Mm, That's a good word. Short-term pain for long-term gain. I think some people, if they're honest, they'd say, Lewis, I don't want to. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to do it. None of us do. (laughs) Everybody wants a life to be a a piece of cake. (laughs) Everybody. But we know without challenges, there's no what? There's no growth. That's right. That's we right. all can agree to that. Uh-huh. So whether that's in our personal lives or whether that's in our business lives, without any challenges, challenges, there's no growth because that's you right. don't learn anything. No, nobody likes challenges, including me. Nobody. <laughs> but when we look back, we have to sort of smile to ourselves and say, without that, you know, 2020. 2020, (laughs) probably the biggest challenge year of most people's lives. Yeah. And the question is, what will we learn from this that will help us grow? Mm. A lot of people, we know we got to do something different uh, for our health care system. We know we got to do something different for our own individual health. You know, people who got underlying conditions, we got to try to work on them as much as possible. You know, we want to increase uh, uh, our immune systems, all right? Everybody knows that's a number one priority. Uh Uh, There are a lot of things that we want to do different after 2020 than what we did in 2019 and 2018 and everything else. So this has been a challenge year, but it should in some ways help us all grow. Yeah, it's true. As, as you're talking about it, it's true. I think when I look back in my life and my leadership journey, my greatest growth has come way out of my comfort zone as opposed to being in my comfort zone. Because we, you know, we all like, we all like and want comfort, but the problem is that growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone, right? You, you know, one comes at the expense of the other. And so um, that's a really, really good point. Uh, I want to, I want to continue on here and some questions that I have for you, uh, Lewis. Um, obviously, and we, we're kind of talking about this, it's important to learn from the past and it's important to be intentional about the present, but there's an interesting question that we kind of talked about in preparation for this is, what do leaders have to be today? Because the reality is we learn from the past and we gotta be intentional about the present, but considering what's coming ahead, what do we have to be today as leaders? Be able to see around the corner. You just have to. Mm. You, you, you cannot just lead what you see. You have to be able to do some strategic predicting, Hmm. forecasting, and possibilities. Um, When we had to leave offices in March, which most people did, Hmm. uh, some people had to sort of start from scratch uh, because they never 
sort of plan for mm. any sort of uh, uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, <laughs> calamities. They just never plan for that. Uh-huh. The best leaders always had a plan B and a plan C and were able to flip a switch or give a direction or order. Mm. You know, now we're going to plan B. Now we're going to plan C. So great leaders have to sort of be predicting Mm. opportunities and risk and be able to put process and systems in order to be able to deal with all. Now, did anybody know COVID-19 was coming? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew that. But great leaders knew there could be a possibility that there would be some things that come that may be out of my control, market conditions, you know? Yeah. How will we react and prepare their teams to be able to react? Uh, I never forget when we got the news that, you know, we're going to leave the office in 48 hours and we don't know when we will return. Hmm. First thing I did was call my team together and I told our IT people, now is your time like no other time. (laughs) I hope you were born for this moment. (laughs) Because if you were not, you're going to be challenged. Because we knew immediately we're going to have to rely on technology and its ability to sort of make us feel like we were in the office. Hmm. So whether that was uh, making sure people had the right hardware and all the things that go along with it. Asking people, what type of internet do you have at home? Is it the best? Is it the worst? Some people like, I, I'm good. Some people like, I have none. Some people like, I have no idea. How do we start <laughs> testing that immediately? You know, which group of people are going to go home tonight and we're going to start running some type of test to see if they, what their internet is like and how we'll be able to function uh, with these individuals. So you had to strategically have a team that knew what to do when challenges came. Not people running around like, I don't know what to do. Uh, right. Can somebody help me? As I told my management team, this is what you get paid for. <laughs> this is what you get paid for. Oh, I always tell our team, my, 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 the people report to me, it's not what you do, it's what you know. I mean, you get paid for your brain power. You get paid for solutions. You get paid for strategies. You get paid for tactics, you know? So we did not have to make a 360. Mm-hmm. We sort of made like a 120 okay, <laughs> to get ready for what we now know is one of the most challenging business times in, in history. So it, it kind of worked out for us. That's great. Uh, so leaders have to be always thinking about the future uh, in regards to the overall industries that which they're in, in regards to people, in regards to process, in regards to systems, mm. uh, and be in what I, I love this word, paradigm building. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I love being in the mode of building paradigms for success. Uh, that's where leaders have to be. And the final thing leaders have to do, Virgil, creating culture. 
And that Hmm. diversity and that inclusion is part of creating culture. That's awesome. You know, as you were talking, I think that right now we do have to be leaders who see around the corner and are are looking ahead. Um, I I was kind of laughing internally because when you were talking about we need people who can get stuff done, you know, and I heard somebody once talk about the position, which is the CPS which is a chief problem solver. If you become a chief problem solver, you're going to be important in your organization and, and lead leaders. You know, I can, I can say my part when somebody can solve problems, you know, especially when nobody else can, or when it's something that's unpredictable or something that shows up that increases your value. So, so being, being somebody who solves problems, um, I, this thought came to my mind, Lewis, just because, um, you're a man who has great experience in leadership, in organizational, in, in in environment, diversity, culture. Here's a question. If, if, if you could see Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future movie, if you can get in that DeLorean, right? And Doc is your friend. And you went back to 1986. I'll probably be in you, an Aston Martin, not a DeLorean. <laughs> All right, exactly. You can ride whatever you want in your, your time machine. It's your time machine. And you get back to 1986 and you get to have coffee He doesn't know it's you, but it's the 1986 Lewis Carr who's about to step into a very important role and position. What leadership advice, what would be in the top of the list? Always be looking to learn. Always be looking to grow. Both uh, personally and professionally. Mm. Take um, professional maturity to heart uh, and always make it bigger than yourself. No matter what your goals or objectives is, make sure that your actions and that your success bring along others. Wow. Always make it bigger than yourself. That's so good. Drop the mic. Boom. Um, so good. So good. Hey, Lewis, this has been so good. I, I honestly, I think we could be me personally as a person who loves leadership. I could be here for another hour with you. Uh, but we're going to, we're going to start, um, bringing this to a final stretch. And I want you to keep in mind, I want you to share some final kind of f- closing comments in, in a moment here. But before that, how can people, um, get in, in contact with you? How can, they, how can they know more about your resources? I know I know uh, about your book. Uh, is there a website? Where can people go, social media, to connect with you? I am uh, Lewis Carr uh, on all of the social platforms, Instagram, Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, so you can reach out to me there. Uh, you can reach out me through uh, uh, Blueprint Men Summit. Uh, you can contact me there. And soon to be able to contact me through the Waymaker brand. Nice, nice. I'm going to say right now. We can't, we can't, I can't pull anything else out of you there? No, no, we... (laughs) I, I'm trying to be strategic, Virgil. We're going to have you, a soft you. rollout in a week or so. I got so, we'll, we'll, you. Know, my, we'll, my marketing people would choke me if, if gotcha. I gave anything else. I'm not going to put you in that position. Let's let's leave it there for now. Um, um, is there somewhere people can find the book? Amazon. Amazon, all right. Dirty Little uh, Secrets uh, and Little Black Book uh, by Lewis Carr on Amazon. So good. So good. I want to mention one more thing here. The Avail Leadership Journal. I know that our people on the Avail Leadership 
uh, podcast. A lot of them are new people are connecting every week uh, and also on the YouTube channel. This is the Avail Leadership Journal. I got one here with Dr. Sam Chan on the cover. Uh, Lewis, I know you were a contributor. You have an article in this uh, journal in the, in the last edition. Uh, any comments yeah. or any thoughts about the Avail Journal? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's an amazing uh, piece for leaders. Uh, I think it sort of gives them uh, uh, guidance and information about how to lead, uh, especially in times like these. And uh, some of the individuals in there are, are great resources when yeah. you are uh, sometimes stuck or, or confused about what to do next. Uh, so uh, I love it. And uh, I encourage people to be a part of it. So good. I have here in the latest edition, there's a, an article by Lewis Carr himself entitled Pay It Forward, The Power of Investing in Others. Hey, if you're listening or watching right now, you can go to availjournal.com and you could uh, claim your free annual subscription. We're giving away a free annual subscription. Uh, if you haven't done so, go to availjournal.com. And if you want more information about Avail, you can also go to theartofleadership.com, theartofleadership.com. Um, Lewis, this has been awesome. Um, what, what would you, what would you, if I said, Hey, give us some closing remarks, some last final comments here, whether it's based on the conversation we've had or just something that's on your heart for leaders to just take home. Well, um, what I would say is that 2020 has been tough and challenging, uh, on everyone around the world. And, uh, but uh, those of us uh, who believe uh, understand that light is coming in the morning. Yeah. And I am confident that 2021 will be a blessing uh, on all of us. And uh, I encourage you to uh, continue in prayer. Uh, I encourage you to uh, continue your walk of faith. And I wish all of you uh, an amazing uh, Christmas and a joyful and happy and prosperous New Year. Such a good word, man. I'm so encouraged. I want to just say on behalf of our Avail team uh, and everybody listening or watching this right now, Lewis, we're thankful for your life. We honor you. Uh, I think that... Um, God has great has had great purpose, but there's a lot more he's doing in you and through you. And I really believe that your heart uh, is something that as leaders we need to learn from because you're not here as leaders to just retain and hold. You really have this mentality and this heart to empower and to release and to lift up people. And so I really admire that about you, Lewis. And, and I admire um, your heart for your passion for diversity and for um, seeing, I guess, for raising a, a new generation, a, a next generation of leaders. You're, you're doing an incredible job. And again, we honor you, my friend. Thank you for taking time with us. Thank you, Virgil. Hey, and to everybody connected right now, thank you as always for lending us your ear, your heart, and your leadership journey because we are growing every time we get together. Remember, every week we have new Avail Leadership Podcasts coming out. We hope to see you next time here at the Avail Leadership Podcast. We hope you've been able to take in some high-level leadership lessons from this conversation with Lewis Carr. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. 
Also, make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. And if you'd like to connect to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit availleadershipconnect.com. As always, thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Leadership Podcast.